0: Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the Gospel reading from John chapter 6, verse 51, where Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So far our text. Jesus speaks about the bread of life. And we've heard this the last three weeks now as we've gone through John chapter 6 and continuing this bread that came down from heaven. And finally, this morning, Jesus reaches his ultimate conclusion by saying, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. So, what is this living bread? He says, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh, the flesh given to him through his conception by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary's womb. Today is the day that the church celebrates and remembers the Blessed Virgin Mary, as it was according to tradition on this date that the Virgin Mary died and received her eternal reward. We celebrate, not that she's such a great woman, such a great role model, but that she was chosen from before the foundation of the world to be the mother of the Savior. That last dot that had to be connected to fulfill all the promises that have been made ever since Genesis 3. It's that very same flesh that Jesus says He gives for the life of the world. And so we can sing as we will during communion. Praise we Him whose love divine gives His sacred blood for wine. Gives His body for the feast. Christ the victim. Christ the priest. As we come to His altar, and every time we come to His altar, He is there with His body and blood. Both as the priest giving the meal to us, but also the victim sacrificed upon the altar being the very meal itself. So we can also say the body of God's lamb we eat, of priestly food and priestly meat. On sin-parched lips the chalice pours His quenching blood which life restores. We come to His altar, not because, well, it's the first, third, or fifth Sunday of the month, but because we want what He has promised. What He is promising even in the synagogue in Capernaum. Life everlasting for those who eat His flesh and who drink His blood. Life given to us through these simple gifts. As we look at this, we also see from the Psalms He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. This might sound familiar to you. Because this is quoted in the Passion Narratives. As we read on Good Friday, as the soldiers come to break the legs of the robbers on each side, they see he's already dead. So they don't break his bones to make death happen faster. David, a thousand years beforehand, is talking about the crucifixion. Talking about the very sacrifice that gives us the flesh and blood of the Messiah. That gives us eternal life. And as he talks about it through the prophet Isaiah. All who see them shall acknowledge them. That they are an offspring that the Lord has blessed. That's what this is supposed to be all about. Is that the wholeness of Christ is kept even in His death. And that the wholeness is to be glorified. But what happens at the foot of the cross on Good Friday? Those who passed by derided Him wagging their heads. Daring Him to come off the cross if He is really the Christ. But there he hangs on the cross, truly the Christ, giving his body so that you and I may have life, shedding his blood so that promise that was given all the way back to Adam and Eve might be fulfilled. This is the living bread that came down from heaven that is given for the life of the world. So where can you find this living bread? I mean, we go to the store and buy bread, but, you know, it's not quite living, is it? Jesus asked the disciples, as many people were leaving, and they were leaving in droves because he was saying hard things, do you want to go as well? And Peter answering for all of them, because that's what Peter does. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter understood that there was no other place to receive the words of eternal life than from Jesus. No one else spoke like Him. Not even Moses. Not any of the prophets. No one else in all of human history has spoken like Him. No one else And all of human history have had their words fulfilled completely like Jesus. So Paul tells the Ephesians, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Paul says don't go after the empty words. Go after the words that have weight. The words that give life. The words that have truth. The words that give grace. Because as we sang at the very beginning of our service, in praise of the Son of God who has given His life for us and has given us new life. Son of God, eternal Savior, source of life and truth and grace. All of these things only come from Him. And so Peter goes on to say, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That there is no one else we need to look for. That you are the one that we need to stick by. And so Solomon says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And we see throughout the Gospels, yes, the disciples have A little bit of insight, little glimpses where they, where it clicks for a moment, that Jesus really is the Holy One of God, that Jesus really is the Son of God in the flesh, and then there are times the light switch turns back off. But that's you and me as well, right? Sometimes it all clicks. Other times it's like, who turned out the lights? But as we continue to think also about Mary, in her Magnificat, that great and wonderful hymn she sings, when the words are fulfilled about her cousin Elizabeth and her pregnancy, she remembers the full words, the weighty words that God had spoken. And so she sings, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to her... Or to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This promise that has gone on and on throughout all of history, God is finally fulfilling. And she glorifies God because she gets to be a part of it. So now we know where to find it. What happens when you eat this living bread? Well, Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Now that is a very strong statement. A very hard statement. Especially being spoken in a synagogue surrounded by people that have been taught from very early on, you do not drink blood. So, They have a very negative response. And even many of his disciples say, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And so after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him because his words were too hard. They were too heavy to bear. But how do you respond positively? You believe the promises. Jesus says whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. No, we don't have anyone walking around who has been you know who's just celebrated like their 2000th birthday or anything. Even as I said at the beginning, even the virgin Mary died. Lazarus died again even after being raised from the dead. All of the disciples died. So, so many throughout centuries since. But this promise of life everlasting, that promise of being able to live forever, is why we can leave this altar singing, Lord, now let us, Thou Thy servant, depart in peace. Your Word has been fulfilled The weighty word of salvation has come true. And I have seen it. I have felt it in my hands. I have touched it with my tongue. It's there. So what do we do? Well, David gives us a couple of simple things to do. Leave your simple ways and live. And walk in the way of insight. Okay. Okay. That sounds easy and hard all at the same time. And he goes on. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. How's that going to happen? Well, we say, as we sang a few moments ago, keep me from saying words that later need recalling. Guard me, lest idle speech may from my lips be falling. It's like, okay, how do I do that? How do I keep idle speech from happening? How do I stop saying stuff that I have to later apologize for? All you do is Paul writes to the Colossians, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, that you may address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. You may have the Word of God, that weighty Word, that gives you salvation. That promises you life everlasting. Words that never be, need to be recalled. Because there is no one who is going to take those words away from Jesus. No one who is going to take that gift away from you. David also says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. How do we seek Peace. Again, we let the Word of God dwell within us richly. Not just being able to pick up our Bible and say, okay, I read for the day. But also coming together. Being together as the family of God. Building one another up. Because maybe, no, it might not be a good day for you. But maybe your presence in church helps someone else. Because each and every one of us can say, no, we've had those days where we'd rather be anywhere else but in church. We've had those days where we don't want to come to God because of whatever we've done. But David also reminds us, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. There is no better picture of a true christian than one who is broken hearted over their sins one whose spirit is crushed by just the weight of the burden that sin puts on us but the true christian also realizes that jesus takes that burden off of us he is there close to us to mend our broken hearts to rebuild our spirits how does He do it? Through His Word. Through the Word mixed with the water that has saved us from all of our sins. The Word that brings His body and blood in with and under the bread and wine of Holy Communion. That takes away our sins. The weighty Word that said, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are just as Timothy did it with his baptism. You received the light of Christ within you at your baptism. And His light still shines in you. Even when it seems to be covered up by the burdens and the shadows of your sins, the light of Christ is still there. Because at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. Because you have fed On his body. You have drunk his blood. You have received the forgiveness of all your sins. Amen.